0: Stakeholder analysis then determines who you should engage with, how often, where you do it, how you do it, for what purpose. Essentially, people respond to the same triggers and they get ticked off by the same kind of approaches. If you do get it right, you get better deals with the banks. There is typically lower interest rates.
1: Welcome to the Exchange Feed podcast series. This is your host, Burke Suman, head of company services based in Calgary at TMX Group. On today's podcast, we're going to discuss community engagement. In our world today, there is increasing attention on corporations and their responsibility to their stakeholders. Community engagement is becoming integrated with wider business functions and contributing broadly to overall strategy. Today, we aim to explore this critical function and develop a better understanding of why it continues to grow in importance and how companies can start and manage these stakeholder relationships. With me today is Luke Zanvliet, Uh, founder and director of Triple R Alliance. Triple R Alliance is an organization that focuses primarily on companies in extractive industries and their company-to-community relationships. They deploy an integrated social performance model for companies to manage their impacts and to ensure communities benefit from how the companies operate. Luke, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you with us today.
0: Thanks, Bert. It's a pleasure to, uh, to be with you.
1: Can we uh, start off by explaining to our listeners what social performance is and how it relates to engagement?
0: Sure, and, and actually that's, that's nice you asked that because many people actually um, confuse the two. They think that engagement actually is social performance. And um, just a short way of, of, of explaining it is basically, if you talk about social performance, you talk about all the things you need to do to manage, manage both your social risks as well as your social opportunities. So that goes much further than engagement. It is in some places, it's the speed by which the cars drive that influences your community perception. The behavior, for example, you, have, you, you take when you, when you have meetings, but also your hiring policies in terms of everybody wants to have local, local people being hired by a company. So how do you do that? So um, that is all part of that social performance umbrella. And one element of that is engagement.
1: Interesting. And that kind of feeds right into uh, ESG reporting, you know, we see many companies presenting their community efforts in these ESG reports. But what is the difference between just kind of communicating with the stakeholders in these communities versus actually engaging with them?
0: Hmm. So the difference I would say largely is with relation to the audience of, of both uh, approaches, and as well as the purpose. And uh, let me stir- first talk about community engagement, and then talk about ESG reporting. So, <clears throat> when you talk about community engagement, your audience clearly is the communities that are surrounding your facilities, whether it's a factory or a mine or a pipeline project or any kind of community that's impacted by your operations. And you, and that's your audience. So that's the. So why do you then engage? What's the purpose? Well, that really is about um, making sure that you understand how do you need to behave as a company? How, what does it mean to be a guest in a host community? How do you actually demonstrate that you're listening to people and, and take their perceptions into consideration? So it is, it's, gaining and obta- it's, it's gaining and maintaining what some people call social license to operate. So it's the goodwill that you get from, from, from local communities to say, we actually are pleased that you're in our community. Um, if you then talk about ESG reporting, the audience is different, right? So you talk then about the wider public. You talk about investors. You talk about uh, civil society groups. You talk about people at the national, stakeholders at a national, and sometimes an international level. And that's the audience. And in terms of the purpose, it really is about reporting um, and, and demonstrating that you have been effective in managing these risks. So it's reporting about engagement. It is about, um, it's a one-way way of, uh, type of, of communication, whereas engagement is decidedly a two-way means of communication. So both um, have different audiences, different purposes. Uh, they are very much
1: complementary, but
0: they do serve these different, uh, these different objectives
1: right so uh, for our issuers that are listening uh, and they're thinking about engaging with with their communities in which they operate and how should companies engage i mean how how do they know who to engage with and around what issues and i guess what are some common steps companies can follow in that engagement
0: yeah of course it's very much context specific uh, but by and large um the first step you you'd really do is to think about what is protocol. Um, and in Canada, in it means you go to either if you are in, in a, an area where you deal with First Nations, you go to the, the, the tribal council. Um, in a in other places in Canada, you go to a municipality. In Africa or Asia, you go to the chief. Um, but you follow the protocol. You So you find out what is actually the respectful way to enter a community. You just don't show up and you say, here I am and I'm going to Gonna, gonna make uh, um, life good for you. And there's all these kind of employment opportunities and there's gonna be business. Um, so that's the first step. And the key there is to really focus on the relationship. And I was, you know, sometimes I compare it to buying a car. You first, if you buy a car, a new car, you go to the dealership, you first wanna establish a relationship, at least most people, with the, sales, with the salesperson. And if that person is pushy or it ju- it's just not the chemistry, it's highly likely that you say you know what i maybe like that car maybe the the price is even good uh, the payment conditions are okay but i really am going to the next dealership so first and foremost establish the relationship and don't go in and say i come here to do business right um, and then the second step once you have that kind of um, that relationship and you introduce yourself and remember it's not about only telling people who you are but also listening to what people have to say and asking people how do they want to see a future with a company um once you have that relationship then you really talk about what is the what's the protocol what's the procedure how often are you going to engage what is it what are no-go areas who should you um what are culturally inappropriate ways to 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 behave um, and once you have established that first that relationship and then secondly uh, you've discussed kind of the protocol of how are you gonna how you're gonna engage in the future only then you basically go into kind of the business details in terms of you know what how are you how you're going to establish yourself and under what conditions so there's a few things and, and and maybe that's another way of saying it is that who do you talk to you start formally and uh, you follow the protocol and then you branch out and you have a number of internal sorry informal uh, a, a types of engagement and that can be as simple as walking through a community uh, it can be as simple as going to the local uh, sports club, or a women's association, or a market, or a pool hall, and and you hang out and you you introduce yourself. But it is an informal type of engagement to say so. Who actually uh, is 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 an inf- has an informal leadership here? I have talked to the to the formal leaders, but who do people trust? And a simple rule is that if the same people point to the same, or if different people point to the same five or ten informal leaders that you know you want to have, uh, uh, have you want to have you want to drink some coffee with those people and to basically then you so you branch out from the formal to the informal and then uh, uh, and a later step is okay now i would like to have a follow-up discussion so can we have kind of a standing meeting so there is a there is a, a natural flow of um of starting um fo- with the focus on respect start easy and then you over time you formalize that that engagement uh, protocol
1: Right. So in summary, do your research, listen and build that relationship. Those are excellent uh, tips for for any type of you know stakeholder engagement. Um, yeah. From what you see, I mean, who do you typically see as responsible for engagement at companies? And how does this change, I guess, with the size or market cap of the company and the topic being engaged upon?
0: Yeah, it, it's, it's, of course, very much depending on the size of the company and, and where they operate. Uh, I, mean, if you, I mean, you mentioned in your introduction, I work a lot with mining and, and, and energy companies. Um, initially, during exploration, typically it's a geologist, right? They go in there with a the pickaxe and, and a tent, and they basically are the first phase on the ground. And they, they are in charge of engagements. They're in charge of basically anything. Um, as a company grows, though, mid-tiers and, and kind of uh, larger companies, there's a difference then um, in terms of who is responsible for engagement and who is actually coordinating it. So how most companies operate and the, the most effective way is you first want to make sure that you know, you're know you actually clear about who do you want to engage with and because not everybody's equal, let's face it. So those people that are very nice but and they are wonderful to talk to but really don't have any sway over the company, then the question is, well, are you going to have a chat or are you gonna do strategic engagement? These are two completely different things. So remember, the purpose is really about managing your social risk and opportunities. So you take a lens and you say, okay, from a social risk and opportunity perspective, let's do a stakeholder analysis. And that stakeholder analysis then determines who you should engage with, how often, where you do it, how you do it, for what purpose, and then most importantly, who is going to do it from a company perspective. And sometimes that's a general manager, But when I talk when you talk about hiring policies, well, you better get someone from the human resources department with you, right? Or if you talk about this, uh, local local procurement, well, the procurement department knows what they're talking about, not the community relations officer. So typically, how it should work is that you have the community relations department or the social social performance function, who basically oversees the coordination of all that engagement. But you have different people in the organization who are relationship owners and it's their responsibility to maintain those relations with key stakeholders
1: right so in essence i mean everyone's really in in, involved it's the uh it's the maybe the community engagement team that's doing the engagement but in terms of a um, kind of company-wide initiative um, a lot of people within the organization should be involved
0: yeah and and, you know an an interesting aspect is if you think about it yourself if you are a community member and you think okay can i actually what is that company like can i trust that company do they just spin it or are they actually genuine Hmm. well the question is who who are you going to ask well if my if my neighbor works with that company that's the first person i'm going to ask because that person is inside and they know exactly what's going on so that's my trusted go-to person not some kind of a spin doctor right So what that means from an engagement perspective is that inside you really also want to inform your local employees and to say, you know, this is really what we stand for and this is what we want, this is how we want to operate. So often companies fail to inform um, and to appreciate the value of their local employees that go home every night and they are the go-to people. So internal, you know, turning your, your employees into ambassadors, and and you need to earn that you can't buy it, you need to really earn that trust. But once you're successful, then you're basically you basically everybody becomes an an engagement ambassador.
1: Absolutely. And it's almost in the culture of those organizations, right? You need that culture of of engagement or that culture of of explaining to your employees, you know, how to engage and, and, and what you're doing in those communities. And I bet from the companies that you've looked at, you could really tell those companies that that that, that's ingrained in their culture and those companies that aren't right
0: yeah Yeah. and 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 what is interesting leadership is an important one right because an employee is not going to fake it if you are having a beer with a few friends and you feel badly treated by your bosses or you feel that something is just not right you're not going to say well the companies are good You, you really need to engagement is, is to you need to first earn it and and as a company have that leadership and a corporate culture that really demonstrates respect uh, and transparency and inclusiveness. If that's all genuine, then basically everybody turns into, you know, a, a, a walking advertisement.
1: Right. Right. Luke, I was looking at your profile and, you know, you've conducted nearly 100 site visits. You've worked with over 30 companies. Out of those site visits and companies, can you tell us about the different types of community engagement you've been involved with and maybe how you built that company to community trust?
0: Yeah, well, there's different. There's when I get involved, it's either because something has gone horribly wrong or it is because a company says we don't want it to go horribly wrong. So how do we get it out? How do we get off on a good start? So to give you well, two examples, I guess. Um, one is where I was called, uh, well, I, I happened to be on the site was in Indonesia. And, um, and I happened to be there for something else it was a training for staff and all of a sudden, there was this incredible noise and, you know, security was running around and, and what happened, uh, there was a group of about 500 youngsters, uh, some with machetes, it was all very intimidating, they were marching up to the gate. And, yeah. um, and there was a gate. The gate went went down. It was a real, you know, lock. Um, it was a real kind of standoff. People yelling and and screaming, and I happened to be there. And um, and one of the guys says, "Well, you know, you're supposed to know this, so why don't you go out?" And it was kind of an interesting dynamic because it was intimidating, um, and they were very upset with local hiring policies. They felt that the company had hired outsiders from far away, whereas those people felt that that was there that that was their job they were entitled to it so what happened and maybe they were not they were probably 150 200 maybe not 500, but it was a large group so what we did is um I, I a, a few things one is they had armed security guys in, in uniforms and I the first thing I said is okay get these people out of sight um, there's a fence in here nobody will climb over the fence uh, but don't don't put fuel on the fire and then uh, I was with a colleague We went out <clears throat> in the community or in that outside the fence. And the first thing it was like, everybody sit down uh, and I, I said, you know, we can talk to me, but we all have to sit down because this is no way to have a dialogue. And then we uh, we had a bit of a discussion outside the fence and then we selected or we said, OK, why don't you come inside the fence with five or ten representatives? I think it was you know, five, five people. And then we sat down for uh, probably four or five hours afterwards to actually really understand what were the underlying grievances they had, of which this was the manifestation of. Because typically, community conflict never comes out of the blue, right? It is never one policy or one event. It is kind of this accumulation of small issues. And then all of a sudden, you run over a chicken and people march up to the gate. And you think, where did this come from? So same thing there is so one example and then another example just recently i was in french guyana it was an exploration project and um uh, i spent two weeks in a hollow canoe on the river going from community to community basically introducing the company um and to basically listen to people and to just say well how, how how does it all work here and and who do you who do you listen to where do you sell your stuff um, are there people here that speak the local that speak language that would be useful for the company um you know, things like that. So it's a range, a variety of, of engagement approaches.
1: Right. It seems like, you know, you touched about listening um, in a prior question, but it seems like that was the key approach that was taken um, with, with your example in Indonesia. Um, you know, I was going to ask you what kind of, you know, different approaches um, you've taken with different industries and cultures or scenarios. And I know if, there's 100 people holding machetes. My approach would probably be to run away. But, but um, that's a really impressive story. Are there any other um, points you want to talk about in terms of adjusting your approach when you're engaging with different geographies or different cultures?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. You know, what is really interesting is that ultimately human, behaving is, human behavior is actually very predictable. And it's, what I always find very interesting is that the manifestation is often different right so in indonesia they walk up to the gate and in canada you would write a letter to the headquarters and in um in nigeria there may be there may be something you know an eruption or a kidnap let's say not to stereotype it but by so but underlying issues are all the same so what is really interesting is that across industries and across project phases um, and even across geographical areas there are a lot of similarities. Essentially people respond to the same triggers and they get ticked off by the same kind of approaches. And, and there's actually, and, and if you allow me, just three, three elements in order to get it right, company community engagement, right? There's three real basic uh, rules. One is make sure that you are and being seen uh, that you are taking sorry that you're taking responsibility and are being seen as taking responsibility for your project impact, like you know if you if there is an environmental issue clean it up don't don't cover it up. Um, second is make sure that the way you distribute benefits like jobs like contracts like community projects that that is seen as fair and transparent. That needs to be a fair and transparent process. It's the same in Canada. As it is in pakistan and then the third one is as a company and it's often never talked about before it's too late it is people always say we want a company to be caring uh, about us and you say well hang on what does caring really mean that i can't do anything with that but if you ask 10 people what does caring actually mean and what does respect actually mean caring and respect those two they come up with the same answers, right? They say, if we ask a question, give us an answer, right? Um, if we want to talk to, to the boss, don't, son, sen, don't sign, send someone who doesn't have any authority. So what you see is that those are the three key ingredients. And what that means for engagement is that you need to ask in each question, in each context, what does caring mean? What does respect mean? What does transparency mean? What does fairness mean? And if you have an, and and the answers will be context specific, but the, and that's what you need to engage around. If you get those definitions, right? For example, who's a local person? and Who's an outsider? If you don't get that right, you will have an issue. You will have a problem. So that's kind of the, the patterns that you see across these, these contexts, which is absolutely fascinating.
1: Those are great tips. And it's really about knowing your audience and really doing your research. Um, and finally, I know a lot of issuers are, you know, as they're listening to this, they're thinking, okay, um, how does you know proper engagement actually add value to a company? So in mm-hmm. the back of their heads, they're likely thinking, what's the business case here? Do you have any um, do you have any examples of, of you know or, or or any discussion on how that, that could possibly add shareholder value to to a company?
0: yeah and, and and to me uh, it's a question that often comes up um to me it goes back to the definition actually of social performance it's about managing your operational context right it is managing your operational risk and your opportunities and basically if you don't engage and if you don't have a, a larger social performance approach to me it's like rolling the dice you can either say well it, it can be a, a one and therefore i was lucky there's no issues and i can actually get by or uh, your role is six, and and really, you know, you're you're in trouble. So, the value of engagement as part of social performance is really to kind of uh, manage the context, your social, your social political context in which you operate. If you don't do it, you leave yourself vulnerable. Now, what does that mean in practice? Uh, very simple. There is there is lots of examples where, especially Canadian companies, have been um, have been forced to. Um, have projects shut down they weren't they were they all they were operational and they had to close them down or alternatively the regulatory process was was years longer than they expected and especially for junior companies that basically had a big impact on the economic viability of the project but so it's the regulatory process it's also your social your your reputational exposure so it is this um and then on the positive side if you do get it right you get better deals with the banks there is typically lower interest rates in some cases you don't even get a even you can't even get a, a financing agreement because of the of the risk profile so it's about better access to land and resources it's about attracting talent nobody wants to work for a company that is seen as a laggard in this in this space and is constantly uh, firefighting with communities so it's access to land access to the regulatory process and your permits and and talking uh, access to talent
1: excellent luke i really enjoyed our discussion today thank you once again um for being with us today Um, I know your contact details are in our ESG 101 hub. So for our listeners, if you want to contact Luke, um, please head on to our ESG 101 hub uh, for his contacts. Thanks again, Luke. Really appreciate it.
0: Thanks, Burke. I enjoyed it.